Hello and welcome to the Sincere Yogi Podcast, a podcast for yogis just like you who are seeking more from their yoga practice that you can't get in your average studio class. My name is Sarah and I'll be your host. Hello and welcome back to the Sincere Yogi Podcast. Today, I wanted to piggyback off of my first podcast episode where I talked a little bit about my yoga journey, how I found yoga, how I became a teacher, and all of those fun details. So if you didn't listen to that one, circle back, listen to episode one, and then meet me here to talk about Ashtanga yoga and my current journey and studies as a student in the Mysore method of Ashtanga yoga. Now, let's take this back to College Sarah practicing yoga in her dorm room because that was my first introduction to Ashtanga yoga. For those of you who might be familiar with Ashtanga yoga, its lineage and teachers, you may have heard the name Kino McGregor before. Kino McGregor is a well-known Ashtanga yoga teacher and practitioner, and beyond her years of experience and, and all of the hard work that she put in to receive the guru's blessing to teach Ashtanga yoga, Kino was also one of the first real yoga influencers, so to speak, because she took her knowledge, her practice, and what she was learning to the online realm, starting off with creating YouTube tutorials of Ashtanga yoga postures. And when I first came across her YouTube videos, I was immediately intrigued. When you watch people practice yoga who are truly into their practice, who are in tune with their breath, in tune with their movements, and really present with what they're doing, there's something kind of encapsulating about it. I don't even know if that's a word, encapsulating. I guess mesmerizing. There's something almost mesmerizing about it. And I was immediately drawn to Kino's practice and wanted to know what this Ashtanga yoga was. Now, at the time, Ashtanga yoga wasn't really popular, at least where I was in Michigan. So my only taste of Ashtanga yoga was through watching Kino McGregor on YouTube, her YouTube tutorials, and her social media platform. All I knew about Ashtanga yoga was that it was a set sequence of postures and people practiced Adashala in Mysore, India, and that was it. But I was really, really curious because these Ashtangis were practicing postures that were never offered to me in the studio classes I was taking. They were really into their practice in a way that I had never seen, and I wanted to know exactly what this method was because There was something almost secretive about it in the sense that it wasn't readily available to me. You had to go to Mysore, India. You had to get the guru's blessing to teach. There was a set procedure in order to practice, study, and teach Ashtanga yoga. And I think, and I really think that that sort of tradition that Ashtanga yoga set really drew me to that practice because I wanted to find the heart of yoga. I wanted to know more than just the physical asana, and Ashtangis seemed to know more than the average studio teacher. At least at that time, that's what I thought. And so I was like, okay, after I do my teacher training, I'm going to travel to Mysore, India. I'm going to practice Ashtanga yoga. I'm going to get the guru's blessing. It's going to be great. 
None of that happened because when I took my teacher training and we started off learning Ashtanga yoga, I realized just how in over my head I was with this practice. The reason we started off learning Ashtanga yoga is because it does set the foundation for vinyasa yoga and other styles of modern yoga to come. And Ashtanga yoga follows what is called the Tristana method. And the Tristana method is a three-point focal method that involves focus on your breath, your bandhas, and your gaze within each single posture. And it's that three point of focus that really allows students to draw inward, release external distractions, and kind of understand what's happening physically and energetically in the body, which is a really unique experience. And Ashtanga yoga is very much so self-guided. So that element of being self-guided with the Tristana method was really helpful to learn as a teacher so that we could start to bring some of these elements into our studio classes. And while we learned about the Tristana method and we went through the primary series, we did not learn Ashtanga yoga in the traditional way. My teacher was not traditionally an Ashtanga yoga teacher. We started practicing the primary series because it set the foundation for so many styles of yoga to come, and it covers a large base of postures, However, the way that you practice and teach Ashtanga yoga in a more traditional setting would be in that Mysore style where students are learning the sequence posture by posture, they're self-guided, the teacher walks around, offers hands-on adjustments, gives more personalized feedback, and offers new postures in the sequence when the students are ready. We were not learning in that Mysore style way. Instead, we were just practicing the primary series. Jumping headfirst into a full primary series doesn't really give you the full scope of the Ashtanga yoga practice. And if you listen to my first podcast episode, you know that I lied to get into my teacher training. I had the least amount of experience and jumping into a full-blown primary series with that lack of experience was super overwhelming. So even though I was so excited to finally learn Ashtanga yoga, that element of overwhelm and inexperience really caught up with me, and I was really happy that our Ashtanga portion of my teacher training did not last for a super long time. Of course, I was happy that I had my taste of it, but I also was like, I don't know how anybody does this on a daily basis. This is way too much. How are you expected to do this for two hours? My breath is really long. So for me to practice a full primary series, I will go past a two-hour mark. And at that point, I was not prepared to spend two-plus hours on my mat and struggle through those two-plus hours. Now, I do love the element of being challenged on my yoga mat, Because when I'm challenged physically, it does help me kind of get out of my mind, into my body, into my breath, and allows me to turn that experience inward. Versus when I'm not challenged super physically, I feel like my mind can just wander, and that defeats the purpose of the asana practice. 
Now, after our Ashtanga yoga portion, we learned Hatha yoga and then eventually Vinyasa yoga. And that is what my 200-hour certification is in, Vinyasa yoga. And I was really happy to move out of a more regimented practice and move into a practice where I was encouraged to be creative, where I could explore different postures and their variations. And I really did love practicing Vinyasa and teaching Vinyasa for that creative element. However, when I started to teach full-time, I was teaching 16-plus classes a week. I was constantly trying to come up with new flows, new sequencing, explore new postures so that my students were learning something new each and every class, which is a really tough task to put on yourself. So if you're a teacher or if you want to be a teacher, know that you don't have to have something new or creative every single class. But I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to continue my education, to show what I was learning, and to keep the creative juices flowing. I was teaching a lot of classes at the same studios, so I would teach six to eight classes at one studio and six to eight classes at another studio, and I was getting a lot of returning students. And so, like I said, that pressure of coming up with something new and constantly being creative and trying to keep up with my students' progression on the mat really caught up to me after a while, and I started to get worn out in my own practice, and I didn't want to think about anything when it came to my own home yoga practice. I found that when I was making it to my mat, every time I was stepping on my mat to practice vinyasa yoga, I was like, ooh, this would be really good to teach in class tonight, or ooh, let me try this different variation of pigeon, or are there modifications? I know so-and-so has a knee injury. Should I be mindful of this? What's this modification? And I found that my personal practice became more about my teaching than actually practicing for myself. So to combat that, I returned to the Ashtanga yoga method. I got out my David Swenson Ashtanga Yoga Manual, I set it out at the front of my mat, and I followed along posture by posture to a traditional primary series. Now, I am what I consider like a basement Ashtangi. Like, I was not taught Ashtanga Yoga in the traditional way. I was self-taught. I followed along with the practice manual. I looked up YouTube videos. I actually learned that I was practicing the sequence wrong for so long because I had vinyasas in random spots. I mean, I really did not know what I was doing. I was following the pictures and occasionally I would follow along with a YouTube video, but I wasn't even practicing a full primary series. And that was mainly because I was coming across postures that I couldn't physically get myself into and I didn't have the guidance of a teacher to tell me, oh, just put your foot here or, oh, if you work on this in this way, then this next posture will come easier to you. And so once again, my Ashtanga yoga practice was kind of slapped together with what I knew from my teacher training, what I was getting on YouTube, and the few workshops that I had the pleasure of taking from Kino McGregor when she traveled to Michigan. But once again, my practice was all self-taught. I barely even followed along with YouTube flows because they were too quick for me and my personal breath. So... When I finally was able to take a Mysore class in Hawaii, I felt so out of place. 
I was so nervous and so scared because I knew that I was doing so many things wrong. And that was just kind of reconfirmed when I went to my first Mysore class and had to unlearn some of these habits and some of these movements that I was doing in my own personal practice. Listen, it took me so long to finally get up the nerve to go to a Mysore style class. And then after taking a few, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm at point A again. I'm learning everything all over because I was doing it wrong for so many years. And so that kind of reconditioning and unlearning was really challenging for me at first. And it was a total ego death, as you would say, because I did have to take a step back and not practice as far as I normally would practice in my home practice because my teachers were like, whoa, let's take it back. Let's get you solidified in X, Y, and Z first, and then you can move beyond. So here I was, a fully 200-hour certified yoga practitioner, a fully-fledged, and now I'm being very humbled by the Ashtanga yoga practice yet again. But this time I stuck with it because there's something that's super magical about the Mysore style of classes that really resonated with me. Even though I was frustrated and felt like I was behind, I was learning so much more than I had ever learned in any studio class before. And that was strictly because I was practicing at my own pace. The teachers were giving me personalized instruction. They were very focused on what I was doing and able to point out very minute movements that a teacher in a regular lead class might overlook on accident that were actually potentially harmful to me in my practice and could lead to injury. And so that was something that right away I appreciated from the Ashtanga Mysore practice. And at the same time, as a teacher, I was like, blown away because I'm relearning all of these things and revisiting some of these concepts in a totally new light. So that made me want to do even better as a yoga teacher to ensure that even if my students weren't practicing Ashtanga yoga, I was able to provide that level of instruction to each and every single one of my students who showed up on their yoga mat. Now, if you're thinking, okay, Sarah, then why don't you just teach Ashtanga? Well, the issue is that in order to teach Ashtanga, you either have to travel to Mysore, India, study at the Shala for an unknown amount of time, and receive the guru's blessing to teach, which usually happens somewhere in the second series or third series of your personal practice, or you can do an apprenticeship with someone who has received the guru's blessing in order to teach Ashtanga yoga. And like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities for me to learn how to teach Ashtanga yoga. So I was able to take some of these elements into the classes I was teaching, and I was able to take my own personal lessons from my Ashtanga yoga practice into my classes, but I had yet to find an accredited teacher that I could study under to become an Ashtanga yoga teacher until recently. And I do think personally that that level of commitment to your practice and that level of knowledge is something that really drove me to continue to want to learn and teach Ashtanga yoga. I was very fortunate that the studio I was practicing at 
even though I wasn't practicing regularly at that studio, I was able to participate in a handful of workshops, not only for students, but also for teachers. And that was a really great way for me to continue my education and learn some very incredibly informative things such as hands-on adjustments, breath, bandhas, all from accredited Ashtanga yoga teachers. Now, the pandemic happened, in-person classes were at a pause, and after the pandemic, when I started to reach out to studios again to teach, I came across a space that I am currently teaching at now at a rock climbing gym, and I never thought that this would be the place where I would do my apprenticeship. It's a rock climbing gym. Its focus is not yoga. The yoga teachers there are all fantastic, but they're also climbers. A lot of the yoga that was being taught was geared towards the climbing community. A lot of it was more stretching-based, more rejuvenating, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I just really did not think that this would be the place that I would continue my education with an apprenticeship. However, about a month into me teaching there, Another teacher got hired on. They ended up becoming the yoga and fitness manager. And that teacher just so happened to have finished an apprenticeship with accredited teachers back in Boston in the Mysore Ashtanga lineage of yoga. And this teacher was interested in creating an Ashtanga program at the rock climbing gym. And immediately I was like, that's the person I'm going to study underneath. So I touched base with him and I asked if he was willing to take on an apprentice, which the beautiful thing about this is A, it was so unexpected and B, it all worked out and fell into place in the most perfect way because this teacher wants to take his teaching to the next level by offering teacher trainings, by taking on an apprentice, and I want to take my teaching to the next level by being a full 500-hour certified and diving deep into the Mysore Ashtanga yoga lineage. So it just goes to show that growth can happen in some of the most unexpected ways. And I'm very fortunate to have this opportunity and be able to do a personal apprenticeship in the Ashtanga Mysore lineage. I'm also so incredibly happy that I was patient and did my due diligence to learn and practice Ashtanga yoga in the more traditional way. There are tons of Ashtanga yoga teacher trainings and there's nothing wrong with a teacher training rooted in the Ashtanga yoga philosophy. However, because Ashtanga yoga is traditionally taught in the Mysore style, it takes a lot more than just a 200-hour teacher training to really fully grasp and understand how to lead a Mysore style class. Because you're not just dealing with students who are learning the primary series, you're dealing with students who might be more advanced than you are within their own practice. And you need to be able to help them out with hands-on adjustments, know the sequencing that they're on, and be able to tell what's going on in their bodies, in their breath, so that you can give them the personalized feedback and instruction that they need in order to continue to progress in their practice. My journey with Ashtanga Yoga was anything but traditional, at least at first. It started off with me finding Kina McGregor on YouTube in my college dorm room, being so intrigued, to then practicing a full primary series in my 200 hour and being so turned off, 
to then revisiting the practice and really appreciating the sequencing of Ashtanga Yoga and really reframing my overall thoughts on the practice initially. There's a lot of misconceptions about Ashtanga Yoga, a lot of them that I initially fed into. I thought it was too dogmatic, too rigorous, that it was totally unrealistic for somebody to have a two to three hour long practice and live a life outside of their mat. However, once I started to integrate that practice into my life and once I started to take the Mysore style classes, I learned just how individualized this practice can be. Even though the series is a set sequence of postures, there's so many different ways to approach the postures and so many different modifications that really anybody can practice Ashtanga Yoga under the instruction of a well-rounded teacher. And while I initially thought it was kind of boring to practice the same postures day in and day out, I realized that when you have this sort of control group on your mat and that control group is the postures, you really get to dive deep into how you are physically, mentally, and emotionally feeling that day on your mat. Each time you do a sun salutation, each day it's totally different. And so having that fixated sequence really allows you to tap into this space in a totally different way and allows you to drive your attention inward in a way that practicing a studio-based class where you're focused on the creativity and the flow, which there's nothing wrong with, but doesn't always allot the opportunity to dive as deeply. That and the fact that it is self-guided, so you do get to work at your pace with your breath and really get a feel for what the breath and bandhas and energetic systems are in your body. So even though it is a set sequence, there's a constant learning process and a constant discovery going on every time you do a pose. On top of that, there's multiple series. So once you develop a deep understanding of the primary series, you then get to start to learn the second series or intermediate series and so on and so forth. So just because the postures and the sequencing is the same day in and day out, you are learning something new, whether it's something new in a posture or a totally new posture or series in and of itself. And it's that type of progression and that challenge that really drew me to the Ashtanga yoga practice at a time that I was feeling so out of balance within my own teaching and my own practice because I was constantly worried about the creativity of the flow and the sequencing and serving my students in that way that I totally forgot about the beauty of simplicity. And that's really like an overall lesson of Ashtanga Yoga is that the primary series, the standing sequence, it's all very basic postures that you'll see in classes today. But by holding each posture for five rounds of breath, by truly focusing on the engagements and the subtle body, you're able to fine tune everything that you're doing within a posture and constantly reach these spaces of rediscovery within yourself, within the practice, and as a teacher moving forward. So while I initially was really turned off by the practice when I first started Ashtanga Yoga, I have developed such a deep appreciation and love for this practice, and I am so incredibly grateful for the fact that I get to study this practice in a traditional setting and be able to serve my students in a totally new way. 
Now, I'm not fully Ashtanga Yoga certified yet. In fact, I feel like I just started, but I'm finally starting to teach a guided half primary series to my students and bring some of the primary series sequencing into my Hatha and Vinyasa based classes. So it's really cool to see once again how Ashtanga Yoga has set the foundation for my personal practice and my teaching moving forward. I hope that this episode gave you a little bit more insight into the Ashtanga yoga practice, kind of busted some of those myths about the practice being dogmatic or too rigorous, and and inspires you to try a Mysore style class because I'm telling you that is the bread and butter of the Ashtanga yoga practice and really the bread and butter of any yoga practice. Who doesn't love that more one-on-one individualized practice and being able to pick your teacher's brain? Like, I want to know why you gave me that adjustment. What prompted you to give me that adjustment? What my teachers physically saw in my body that made them realize, ooh, she could go a little further or, ooh, let me fine-tune her here. Having that more pinpointed instruction from a teacher is absolutely priceless and totally life-changing when you go from a regular-led studio-based class to something that's not only more self-guided, but also so much more in-depth. And if you can't tell, I'm absolutely in love with this practice. I'm so happy that I got to share this episode with all of you. If you liked it, please rate it leave a comment, subscribe, whatever you need to do, show it some love so that I can continue to share my journey with all of you, hopefully teach you a few new things and inspire you in your own home practice. Thank you for joining me on the Sincere Yogi Podcast. If you want to deepen your yoga and meditation practice, check out my workshops and masterclasses on the Playbook app or join my guided meditation series on Insight Timer. If you just want to stop by, say hi, and see what's up, you can find me at The Sincere Yogi on Instagram.